What's up, traders? Anthony Crudelli here, and we are live here on the Futures Radio Show podcast on Twitter and on YouTube. If you're on Twitter, give us a retweet. If you're on YouTube, give us a like. I'll be taking all of your questions and comments today on YouTube, so be sure to join us on YouTube if you have any questions or comments for the show. I'm so excited to bring you my good friend today. I call him the king of the VWAP, uh, Brian Shannon at Alpha Trends on Twitter. Today, we're going to talk about how he has actually helped me with what the work he's done using the VWAP to go from really a short-term scalper, as most of you guys know, that's what I was beginning in my career, to more of a swing trader. I've just really learned a ton from Brian about the VWAP, and it's really helped me with my transition. It's a tool that I keep up religiously on my charts now because of him and, and what he showed me. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about how Brian uses the VWAP. We're going to talk about some of his favorite trade setups using it. And then we're going to go to the charts later in the show when we answer your questions. And we're going to see what is uh, what Brian is eyeing right now in the market. So a whole lot to talk about today. So hang tight before we get Brian on the show. Remember, Futures Radio Show is sponsored by CME Group. Micro Treasury Futures are now live. Be sure to pull up these new symbols so you know what the yields are trading. 2YY, 5YY, 10Y and 30Y. To learn more about micro treasury yield futures, go to cmegroup.com. Futures Radio Show is also sponsored by Trading Technologies, TradeStation, and FTSE Russell. The Russell 2000 is a key benchmark for small cap U.S. stocks. To learn more about E-mini Russell 2000 future symbol RTY and micro E-mini Russell 2000 future symbol M2K, go to footsierussell.com. We're back in 15 seconds with Brian. Get S&P 500 and NASDAQ 100 by the slice. Just one-tenth of the pie. Trade the tastiest index futures, micro e-mini options with TradeStation. Get a piece of the pie now. Alpha Trends is in the house. Brian, what's up, my friend? Hey, Anthony. Thanks for having me on again, and thanks for the for the title, King. <laughs> King of the V. King of the VWAP. We've had the godfather of uh, of market profile. And I got, now I've got the king of the VWAP on, on the show. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today. I said in my intro that the work you've done with the VWAP, and really I, I go back to when you really showed me about anchoring a VWAP, right. that that really helped me in my transition from a day trader to a swing trader because it gave me a better perspective. I think it's so much better than a moving average, although I do use those as well in my daily charts. But when I get to my 60-minute chart, I got that VWAP up there, man. I love it. Great, You do great great work teaching people about it. Yeah, thanks. I mean, I that's the way it was for me as well. And you know what? I told these guys next door that I had this call at 10 o'clock, and they're still using their wood chipper. They told me they wouldn't, so I apologize for the background noise. <laughs> Um, anyways, you know, I've, it's the biggest, uh, piece of information that I've added to my analysis over the years as well. Uh, about six years ago, TC 2000 made it possible to anchor from any spot with a point and click. And from there, it's just kind of exploded. And I've, you know, been tweeting about it and, you know, I'm, I'm writing a book about it. Uh, so, uh, it's, it's dramatically changed and improved my trading results, the anchored VWAP. Let's start with that. You had you made you said you talked about you had a transition and how the VWAP has helped you. I, I want to start with really kind of the basics as to what explain what the VWAP is. I know most people know it's probably one of the most popular indicators out there, but I think you should just give a quick example or just quick definition of what it is and how you started to implement it into your strategy. 
Yeah, so you can really think of it as a dollar cost average. So if you're used to buy, if people are used to buying, you know, a thousand dollars worth of Apple every month, at the end of the year, you've purchased twelve thousand dollars worth of the stock. But one month you might have purchased eighty shares. One month you might have purchased two hundred shares. Now maybe not that dramatic, but at the end of the year, it's your cost basis. It's your volume weighted average price. So the volume weighted average price, you know, traditionally is measured for one day from the very, you know, beginning at, you know, I'm, I'm going to talk in equity terms, 9.30 a.m. Eastern to 4 p.m. And it, it is cumulative throughout the day. The anchored VWAP allows you to pick any point in time. So, for instance, right now, I'm watching this uh, volume weighted average price anchored from the August low uh, in the SPY, and that would bring us, I'm sorry, uh, yeah, the August low, that brings us down to about 448.13, where, you know, it's about a dollar and a half lower. And I think on this move, we're likely to hit that in the next day or two. Um, so I first started using it in 2003 with uh, Realtix software. They only had it available for the day, but then they also had a trend line um, that you could put on one spot and drag it forward and it would be a, a horizontal line that would move up and down. I used to look at it and go, wow, it's really weird how sometimes it touches that line and bounces perfectly from it. Wouldn't it be cool if you could, you know, click the point, you know, from an earnings report uh, from year to date for the beginning of the month? These are all important levels that I like to anchor from to give me insight into who's in control from any point in time, the buyers or the sellers. Yeah, and I think for any trader listening to this, you could think about a time in the market that something happened and maybe it was a sharp move. I mean, let's just look at Ethereum yesterday, had that rip move lower. You might wanna anchor it from either the recent high or from this low. I mean, I'm talking about Ethereum because I've been looking to trade it a little bit and I'm gonna ask you actually how you use it in crypto a little bit later, but you know a time or even an unemployment number, a Fed number, an important data point. You've talked to me about how you'll do it from earnings and how there was a move from there. I think that's what really opened it up for me is being able to anchor it from an area to actually identify what has happened from that point going forward, right? I mean, instead of just a moving average or something like that, it's actually a tool that from that point going forward, it's giving you information as to what's happening now. It brings, It keeps me very present. Yeah, uh, for, for me, it's the same way. Uh, it, it's I, I anchor it from any point in time. So week to date, uh, you know, from the beginning of the move, like you said, from a Federal Reserve, it can tell us who's in control from that meeting. And you'll see that oftentimes it'll get tested uh, as support or resistance. And uh, can you hold on one second? Yeah, it's good. It's good. Don't worry. Um, so it tells me who's in control from that point in time. Exactly. Earnings report. How is it being digested? Are the buyers maintaining control? Are they, you know, are they defending that average price since the event? That's what we want to look at. I love that people are putting questions in already. And I know most of the time during the live, I end up going a little bit later in the show. But because this is really happening uh, as we're talking about this, the thought police. Don't you love these these different ones that the people have on YouTube and stuff? It's great. So he says, so if the if the AV whip is higher than the current trading price, it shows that the bulls are in control? No, actually the opposite. If the volume-weighted average price right, is below prices and prices are above it, and that VWAP is rising, it tells us the buyers are in control. Whereas versus today in the S&P 500 or a lot of stocks, 
if you look at it from the very beginning of the day, we're below that volume weighted average price. We're making lower highs and lower lows below that, showing us that, you know, maybe if you're like this super scalper guy that you can, you know, still make some money on the long side. But for the day today, the sellers at this point remain in control. So it's guilty to a proven innocent, at least on that time frame. And, you know, that's where it gets confusing for a lot of people is maybe they don't have their time frame defined or they're looking at the longer term time frame and saying, hey, I still like it and just buying it as it pulls back rather than waiting for the evidence that the buyers have actually regained control. So, you know, one of, one of the things I don't like, one of the phrases I, I dislike is buy the dip because it just, it oh. just it's uh, it, to me, it's uneducated. It, there's nothing wrong with buying strength after the dip, but to stick bids in as it's just plummeting in front of you doesn't make any sense at all. No, I, you know, I, we both hundred percent agree on that. Yeah. So do you wait for the pullbacks to come? Let's just say, and this is totally hypothetical. I mean, we're going to, I want to be very general here. If yeah. you have a market that's holding above the VWAP and you want to buy the dip, are you waiting for it to test it? And then do you lean on it? You know, we call it futures, we call it lean and then it, you know, stop yeah. if it yeah. fails to blow it. Just give us the general thought process on how that works. Right. So I like to call it a level of interest. It has the potential to become support as it pulls back to that volume weighted average price. So I was talking about the S&P and this 448 level. Now that has that's a level of interest to me. If it pulls back there, what I'm going to do is one, I'm anticipating that that will be the level that maybe short start to cover sideline money comes in. And I want to look at it then on a shorter term time frame and look for the actual evidence that the buyers are defending that level. Now, if you're looking at like a one minute chart in, in the daily VWAP, sometimes it'll, it, it's amazing. It'll hit that number to the penny and then just rock it off of it. Um, whereas, you know, the longer it's been in, you know, taking formation, that volume weighted average price, it, it'll come down, it'll start to, you know, see a little bit of a battle in there, maybe cross back and forth above it a little bit. It's really similar to the, the way I would use a moving average. It's a level of yep. interest to say, okay, now we're at this important level. Hey, and it's the 20-day moving average, and it's a 38.2% retracement of whatever. So now I want to look very carefully on the shorter term time frame and anticipate where the buyers take control. I want to see a very short term higher high. And then set my stop below the higher low, and let's see if we get it. You know, if if if, if it's that's the place. And then, as far as the upside potential goes, what I'll do is I'll have a, a VWAP anchored off of the recent high. So in the S and P 500, you know, that would be off the high about four days ago, and that becomes a level of interest on the upside that it might run into since that down move began. Are the sellers exactly. going to show up there once again? I love how you talked about how it's not the end all be all for you. No, not right? at all. I mean, that, nothing should be. It's just nothing should tool. be. It's, it, it all comes down to price. Only price pays. And these are tools that help us form our thesis about, you know, price based action saying, here's where I'm interested. Here's why I'm interested. Uh, you know, I've been talking about AMD for the last week and a half. It gapped up uh, a week ago, Monday. And I was looking to buy that day, but the gap, I didn't want to chase the gap. And it's been stuck under that volume weighted average price. Here it is, you know, Wednesday, so seven days. And today it's really getting, you know, hit pretty hard. And the point was, you know, I put on Twitter, I'm looking to buy this. And people are like, have you bought it yet? Have you bought it yet? No, it's below the volume weighted average price. That's still declining. It's just a level of interest. I need to see evidence the buyers are gaining control. 
And instead, I've sidestepped, you know, a, a 7% decline, uh, you know, waiting for this to set up, which it never did. So, you know, cash is the correct position there, according to the market in supply and demand dynamics. Yeah, I mean, this is where you and I, we agree on a lot of our, yeah. the way we approach the markets. It's the market's proving something to us through this tool. And I want to talk a little bit about my transition from being the day trader scalper to being the swing trader is that I needed things that keep me less busy. I needed perspective. I needed to look at really one side of the market. And for the past several years, I've only really been trading one side of the market intraday. There are days where I'll trade two sides, but I look for something like that. And something that I added was a lot of futures traders will know about like divergence days. You've got the Russell, NASDAQ, and Dow in uh, the S&P, of course. And you'll have one's up, one's down. I'll then go to where are we near the VWAP, right? And I like to see, is it full leadership? So something that I look for as an S&P mostly trader, right. which now is a lot more NASDAQ these days, but I'll look to see if all of them are up together. And that to me is a more powerful trend. If I see divergence on the tape and then I see divergence on where they are in the same time frame on the VWAP, then I know, you know what? doesn't matter really what I have. It's a good indication that it could probably be choppy. So that really helped me. Like I said, I needed tools to keep me less busy, and the VWAP was one of those. So, so Anthony, going to that, I, I, and I think I probably can anticipate your answer. When you see these, these divergences, but your NASDAQ trade sets up, do you use that as a way to say, okay, I, I'm still going to trade the NASDAQ because I like the action here, but because the Dow and the S&P are diverging, I'm going to do it with less size? Is, it, is that is the, the way you use that a little bit as well? A lot of times, yeah, especially when, it, I mean, the NASDAQ's the perfect example of this because I'll look to then see where the leadership is in the NASDAQ and then I'll pull up the VWAP on the VWAP on there because then I have confirmation. So I'll look to say, okay, I like to buy the strong and sell right. the weak. I don't like to buy the weak in a divergence tape. So right. when I see that one is holding above it, then I look to say, okay, what's the reason? I mean, the other day we saw, you know, the fangs were leading everything to the upside and which is pretty much almost any day that uh, right. uh, that we're trading. But when I do see that, then the NASDAQ is more enticing to me to be able to buy that weakness and make people think that maybe, oh, the S&P or the Dow is Russell weak today. I use that that shoot down to step in and buy because I want to buy the strong one. Right. Yeah. Relative strength 101, right? Yeah, exactly. Right. And another thing I look at, and this, it pains me to say this. I know we got a lot of stock and ETF traders in here now because we've got you in here and I know you trade a little bit of both. The one thing that I started to do was as an S&P trader is look at the SPY and as an ASDAQ trader, look at the QQQ. And, and until you show me that, and then, like I said, I give you, I give credit where credit is due. I started to recognize that if I'm going to step into the swing trading realm, I needed to look at where more of the swing traders are trading, and that is in the SPY. So as somebody you know who was primarily futures, didn't really look at the SPY, I started to, in this particular instance, to see where they were relative. And when I see divergence even there, to narrow it down even to within intermarket, that then is an indication to me as well. Right. That's pretty cool. I, I never really look for the divergences between the futures and the SPY, but... Um... It, wherever you can find an edge, right? I mean, that's that's what it's all about. Yeah, one of my favorite setups really using the VWAP is when I see weakness overnight in the futures and I know where the SPY is going to open and it opens right. up on the VWAP and we got packs in here and opening range is the low of the day. Right. That, that's a great setup for me because I look at it and go, okay, all signs point to we're probably going to fill that gap. I mean, 
I, I look at that in a primary trend. You have weakness in the futures. And why that weakness is there doesn't really matter to me. I look to see where the SPY is and where it's going to open. And if it opens up and starts going higher, and like a lot of times, not a lot of times, but several times, I'll see that the VWAP is the loaf, depends on where I have it anchored. Right. That's a good indication to me. I like, I, that's what I like about it. Now I'm looking at that one side. And I know if it starts to take out that opening range low and get below there, now we're below the VWAP on SPY, SP is already weak from overnight, that, you know, then you have something there too. It's just, once again, what's the market proving to me? Right. Yeah. Cool. We've got a bunch of questions in here and I know we're going to go to the charts in a minute. And this is kind of, yeah, I guess, similar to what we're talking about. And Sam's putting out from pits to electronic trading to options market dominance. How have you two longtime traders adjusted, adjusted to changing market regimes? I just think that kind of fits into what we're saying. Thanks for the question, by the way, Sam. I'll let you go first, Bry. I think it, you know, it actually affects you a lot more. I've always been a screen-based trader, you know, right from the start. So, uh, you know, the pit activity—it's been no, you know, no change for me at all. It's, it's, it's you guys who, you know, moved from the pit that I think had that transitional period that was so, you know, was difficult to to adjust to for a lot of people. I think uh, what I want to focus on really is more the change of market regimes. I think that's kind of what he. You know, okay. I was indicating as well. I, mean, I look at myself. I was not a good pit trader. I've said this before. I stunk. You know, I mean, I was only in there for six months. I'm like, eh, as a pit trader, and I went to the E minis right away as they were launched. So I, I consider myself a longtime screen trader as okay. well. I spent a lot of time on the floor, but the changing regimes. I think we've all noticed this, right? And and this goes back to it doesn't matter to me how much markets have changed. I mean, there are definitely certain things I do differently, no doubt. You know, the more dominant the HFTs and the algos have become in electronic trading, I don't trade data points as much because they move so fast. I, right. I almost wait for like those blow off entries to get in. Certain things I maybe do less of. I don't try to scalp intraday as much. We've talked about that. Yep. But overall, it comes down to whatever I see in my setup, whatever the market's proving me, it just really comes down to the overall market environment. It's not really the regime. I don't know what you think about that. To me, it's more about risk management. And I, I like to say, you know, each stock based on its own merits. And, you know, you always hear the statistics that 80% of a stock's move or 70% is based on what the overall market is doing, 20% the sector, and then 10% the stock itself. I don't always agree with that because, again, you go back to the concept of relative strength. Well, you're going to have a certain semiconductor stock be the first strong semiconductor stock before the semiconductor index starts to move. And the semiconductor index will often drag the NASDAQ with it as well. So if I see a, a strong semiconductor setting up, I'll trade that, but I'll be aware, hey, this has the potential to be the leader. But if it is unable to create that leadership and you know, more as, as semiconductors you know, start participating, uh, then I don't want to get stuck. So what I do is I use that as a reason to adjust my risk unit. Instead of taking a full risk unit, I might start out with a third of a risk unit or a half of a risk unit. So to me, it's more about what's the individual stock, bottoms up approach versus top down. And that's simply because my my time frame, which is swing trading, that I think that gives me an advantage over everybody else who's looking at hey, the semiconductors are just flat. Well, you know, we've got two stocks that are starting to move higher. So you can get a little bit of a leg up in that regard, I think. Yeah, no, totally. And one of the most important things I think that you and I have talked about is, is position sizing, right? Identifying the situation. 
I've said this many times before, not all two trades are the same. Why would I execute every trade the same? I mean, there are different environments, there are different level of setups. You know, like I talked about that one where I see the S&P weak overnight, and then we sit there on the VWAP and the opening range is the low. If it's right on my support, if everything's lined up, that could be a really full position for me. If I still have divergence in the other indices and I look at the spectrum and maybe the trend is chopping around daily moving averages, I'm not going to be in a full risk position. I think that's so important. I mean, when people talk about different regimes, and obviously markets are always changing, but when it comes down to is what do I see and what is it proving to me? And I'm, I'd rather be confident in just my choice than, than be so concerned about everything else that's going on in different regime changes, regime right. changes, you yeah. know, there's a, there's a few good questions here. I know we're going to break in a moment and come back to the charts, but. This is, once again, a lot of these questions are about what we're talking about now. Oscar is ask, asking, are you a long-only trader? And if you are, how come? Me? No. I mean, you know, I prefer the long side right now simply because we're in a massive bull market. Like, <laughs> exactly. you, know, you know, 16, 18 months ago, that wasn't the case. The, you know, things were getting hit really hard at the beginning of the pandemic. And, you know, so maybe it was, you know, 18 months ago, I guess. Um it depends on the market environment. And, and what I do is I look for opportunity. I don't look for longs. I don't look for shorts. I go through my list. I'm short of stock right now. VFC, it's been a great one. It, it just broke down perfectly the last few days. And I've got a list of you know five or six other ones that I didn't get involved in that are getting hit or about to get hit. And maybe we can talk about those later. But you know, when we're in an overall bull market, I prefer the long side. I'll trade some shorts, but I usually do so either with smaller share size or I'll go to the option, you know, I'll buy some puts. It's, it's that simple. And for me, look, I'm a futures trader and even I mostly trade long almost everything these days. Why? Because of the environment. I mean, I made my best year ever in trading was 2008 and I made majority of the money from the short side. And that was a time that we may never see again. Who knows? I mean, these bear markets are so fast nowadays, but over the years of getting chopped up intraday on the short side trading the indexes, man, you know, at some point you start looking at it saying, unless all the stars line up, like you said, even last year with COVID, that was different. Headline driven environments with breakdown of technicals, I'm not scared to be short and I'll press them. Right. But when you don't have a lot of news behind breakdown of technicals, it's hard to want to be short anything because your position you always have the weekend. I mean, let's face it, pretty much almost everything these days. It's just, at least that's the way it feels to me. Uh, so that's why for me, that that's the reason. I'm going to take a couple more of these questions because they're going to feed into when we go to the charts and I'd rather answer them before you go over some of your stuff. Okay. And this one is from Bolt Up. Do you both use order flow or any other indicators or just VWAP mostly? Well, for me, it's price, it's volume, it's time frames, uh, and then I'll use a little bit of volume profile. I use simple moving averages um, and in VWAP, and and that's basically it. I've I don't I don't have a problem with any of the other ones, you know, because I've I've examined most, you know, RSI, MACD, but you know they don't work for me. So I've you know gotten to the point. I've been doing this thirty years now, so I I know what works for me, and uh, you know that's it basically. Yeah, for me, if I was short-term trading like I used to where I was scalping, I, I think order flow is a great tool. I actually think it's one of the best tools right now out there for intraday traders, especially on the future side. I just am not trading that time frame. But if I was, once again, Brian, you, you talk about this, you know, technical analysis on multiple time frames. What time frame are you trading? That's what's going to determine what tools you use. If I'm trying to swing trade, 
order flow is less important to me. That's why I like the VWAP. The VWAP gives me perspective versus like they're buying right now, the buyers are in control or the sellers are in control. It's just a different mindset. And I don't want to be as active. I want to be less active and more with trend. But that's a good question, I think, you know, to what we're uh, talking about here. And Dan D is asking, I use an ATR line as potential support with Confluence. How does VWAP differ, please? Uh, you know, I don't use an ATR line, so I can't envision that in my mind what, what you're talking about exactly. But, it, you know, what the volume weighted average price does is it tells you what the average price is from any point in time. And you can see that trending similar to a moving average. So it tells you who's in control. It tells you, are we getting extended from there? Um, are we, you know, getting close to it, a point where it makes sense to, to study on a shorter term time frame? So I, I, maybe you can answer that one better than me, Anthony. I don't use AT line as a potential support with Confluence. I think once again, the reason I even put that question up there is just to, to emphasize what works for you. Uh, you know, yeah. and, and you said that, and it's not something that I use either. I'll gaze, I'll, I'll potentially pull up an ATR and just look at it just to see where we are in general. Once again, it just gives me more perspective, not necessarily necessarily support uh, with Confluence. Right. And Stefan D, he says, hi, Bri. Hello. How do you, do you use the session VWEP two standard deviation bands? Looks useful for potential take profits or reversals. And do you maybe even use the three standard deviation bands? I've never I don't, used this. Yeah, I don't use standard deviation bands at all. To me, I like to keep it just simple. Um, I look at, you know, I, and I recognize in my mind, I can see two standard deviations, three standard deviations. I like to keep my chart clean. And as we get extended away from that VWAP from whatever time frame, I'll use that as a cue to start to raise my, uh, you know, raise my stops. But I don't, I'm not a counter trend trader. I'm not looking to short, uh, you know, if it's three standard deviations away. Uh, to me, the trend is higher. It's innocent until proven guilty. We might get a retracement, but you know, the sum of the rallies is always greater than the sum of the declines in an uptrend and, and vice versa. So why not put the math in your favor and trade with the trend? Yeah, no, I, I, I'm with you there. Now, everybody, thanks for the questions. We're going to come back and go to the charts. So, Bri, you're going to show us some of the things you're looking at. I actually want to see that short in VFC. I want to see how our short sets up for you. Okay. Uh, I know a lot of times we've been on the show, we've mostly talked about long. So I'd like to see that short. And we'll talk about maybe what you see in SPY and everything else. So hang tight, traders. We'll be Great. back in 45 seconds. Replace your exchange with TradeStation Crypto. Dealing with multiple exchanges is complicated and it takes time, except with TradeStation Crypto. Because we are not an exchange. We are a broker. You have access to multiple pools of liquidity, all in one platform, in one account, one way. Trade crypto your way. Plus, earn interest on your eligible cryptocurrencies. Get started in one click. Trade the global markets with trading technologies. TT is the world's fastest commercially available futures trading platform. Now with integrated tools for advanced options trading, cryptocurrencies, and trade surveillance. Learn more at tradingtechnologies.com. All right, traders, we're back. So, Bri, what are we looking at first off here? Okay, let's look at Bitcoin because you were asking about, you know, how how do I look at it on on uh, you know, the cryptos? So one thing I always have on all my charts, whether it's stocks, uh, crypto, is the year-to-date volume-weighted average price. And that's that orange line. So it's just anchored in the very first day of the year. And it's the cumulative average price throughout that session, throughout you know that time period. So the initial 
pull back here, bounced a little bit. And then it became, you know, the, the market rallied up to that volume weighted average price from the year, pulled back to the volume weighted average price from this low. Sorry for bouncing that around. So when we saw that July low, it bounced up to the year to date volume weighted average price, pulled back to the volume weighted average price from this low. And that showed me the buyers were defending that level. And the next likely move was to push up over towards this 50,000 level. That was also the measured move. We saw that that volume weighted average price from that move held a couple times. And yesterday in this really big sell-off, we came down and I mean, you gotta be impressed with that. That's the year to date volume weighted average price. Touched it almost to the penny. And you know, we also had uh, in that area, let me adjust the scaling. Um, uh, let me do it like this. Um, I think it'll auto adjust if I go back to it. Um, is the the volume weighted average price off the all time high was in that area as well. So you got to I mean, when when these levels come together, to me, that is so that's that blue one. We could I, I won't change the color because it takes too much time, but they all came together in there and then we bounced real hard and held above on a closing basis the volume weighted average price from that. So I like to call that the VWAP handoff or passing the torch. So we you know, had this real sharp move down. And often when you see a sharp move down, you'll get a swift bounce from an important volume weighted average price the first time. Um, the second time, probably not as much. It showed, you know, so right now what I'm looking at on the right is the volume weighted average price from the peak that we saw here recently. And you can see how that's being defended by the sellers so far. Whereas the volume weighted average price from yesterday's low, it's kind of chopping back and forth. So the sellers are still in control from yesterday, uh, maybe above 47.5 or so. They'll be able to, you know, solidly will be able to say they're in control. But right now it's just a little bit bouncy in here and we've got all this volatility, but the bigger level held. Got it. No, thank you for sharing that. Uh, that's what it was like I said at the beginning. That was one of my questions is how you use it for crypto. Do you use a specific exchange to get that data? Where do you get the Bitcoin data that's, from? That's a great question. So I trade at Gemini. So that's where my liquidity is. So Got I'm it. most interested in where's my liquidity. Now, I don't I'm not aware of a universal data source for Bitcoin. Um, you know, on this software, which is TrendSpider, you can go in and choose the exchange. You know, exactly. you can go to Coinbase, for instance. Um, but I use Gemini simply because that's where my liquidity is. And it, it, they tend to line up all in the same place anyway, uh, from Got what it. I've seen. Yeah, you know, that was just one of the questions I had because I, I use the same thing. I look at all these different exchanges and typically I'll pull up the Coinbase one, even though I'm not even trading it through there. But I figure, you know, maybe they're going to be the central focus on the, on the charting side of things. What I liked about this example is too, is that you see what's happening on the bigger picture. And then you go to that recent anchored high, like you said, and it still shows that on the longer time frame, the buyers are in control, but the shorter term time frame, the sellers are still in control. So it's this battle, which I think that, you know, it really helps you with position sizing because if you're looking to buy Bitcoin, to me, just from what I see here, you don't have really a clear path as to what the next move is. Yes, I think the longer term would supersede the shorter term, but you might have a lot more price opportunity lower. Yeah, I mean, so we're, we're still in that price discovery exactly. after yesterday's large decline where 
it's a battle for for control. And as, as you just alluded to, you know, the primary trend, we give the benefit of the doubt to, but it doesn't mean we're going to go all in until we have, you know, confidence on the shorter term time frame. I bought that dip yesterday pretty close to that year to date volume weighted average price. I did so with tiny size. I mean, when I go in there and blindly buy into a level, it's tiny. But I figured, you know, just given the magnitude of the decline and the fact that we had the VWAP from that low uh, two months ago, from the all-time high and the year-to-date, all in that same area, and it was that prior little, uh, you know, peak right here. To me, it said it's a low-risk, high-probability trade, but for small side, for you know, for a, a, a small risk amount. Yeah, because like you said, it's still in the discovery mode. Uh, Jim Valentine is saying, and that is trading with the trend question mark. And I want to address this real quick because I want to see what you think. See, this is where to me, Bitcoin has not made a higher high, right. but it's spent a lot of time, you know, developing that low, however many months ago. And although on the way bigger picture, it probably isn't, you wouldn't consider it a bull market till it makes a new high. But I look at it and say, it is trading with the trend. If it's holding above all those VWAPs, because in its current moment, what is it proving to me now? It's holding those VWAPs on the charts that you're showing to me. Right. So to me, that is the trend. It doesn't have to make a new high necessarily for me to say this is in a bull market. And this is very similar to what I've been looking at in gold. I use a VWAP a lot in gold. It really helps me a lot, you know, in the gold futures. And gold hasn't made a new all-time high in a while. It's also been stopping me out of my lungs quite a bit too, but it's a different story. But I, that's, I look at it that way. I mean, what do you think, Brian? To me, it's about time frame. I mean, you go back to Bitcoin and, you know, if you look at anything longer than a, you know, if you look at a monthly chart, it's clearly in an uptrend. Uh, you know, over here, we were in a horrible bearish environment within the context of a much bigger, you know, uptrend. This was, you know, if you look at the monthly chart, that was a pullback, right? But when we go back to the daily time frame, you know, we were in a horrible bearish environment. Now we're currently in a bullish environment. Now it's yeah. possible that this bullish environment needs more time to correct because our definition of trend no longer exists. When we look at higher highs and higher lows, you know, we look at, at, at that pattern was just broken. So that tells me we're going to need probably more time to digest, which is why, again, I'm only trading, you know, smaller risk units in here. So, you know, the, 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 uh, the trend yesterday was clearly horrible downtrend, but within the context of what's your time frame, what are you trying to engage in? Your your trend might not be the trend that I'm looking to trade. Exactly. I mean, it, I, the time frame is everything. And thanks for the question, Jim. I, I, that's why I wanted to bring that up because once again, if you looked at Bitcoin just from the perspective of it did not make a new all-time high, is it still in a bear market off the high or the low? I don't know. That's why I don't look for tops and bottoms. I right. look at the environment. What is the environment telling us? When it was bearish, it was bearish. Now that it's bullish, we could stay inside this range. Let's be honest. Bitcoin may not make a new all-time high for who knows when, ever. But it doesn't mean that I can't make money being long it in, right. in this environment. Um, it, it so is, it, it is, again, Anthony, not to, not to cut you off, but it's about trend alignment on multiple time frames. We don't have that alignment right now in all the time frames. So it tells me smaller share size. Know that you're not looking for 
you know, the buy and hold trade necessarily, but you're going to be in and out looking to make some money. And, and that's what trading is all about. No, absolutely. So I want to go to this next question because it's probably the next market that maybe we'll take a look at. It's from Mattia Aliolio. He's getting, this is a great name. You know, I have to bring a Paisan uh, for a question here, Bri. He says, hi, Bri. Hi, Anthony. It seems the S&P yeah. 500 buyers are getting control from 820 low VWAP. Nice real-time example. Uh, we'll see what uh, Brian has, and maybe you could touch base on what he's If he's talking about this one right here, uh, that's on the 18th. And so far, you know, that's the level that I was talking about that we want to measure from that low. That that was the low, and we had a new uptrend begin. Now, we broke some support. We have lower highs and lower lows. So as I was mentioning, what I want to do is I want to put a, a VWAP right here from that peak. Yesterday, we came up to it, made a lower high, and today we're seeing the lower low. So we're currently in a downtrend. Now that's four days, but it's a downtrend. It's a pullback within a primary trend. And the first level of interest for me is right down here at this 448 level, which is anchored off of that low uh, from uh, mid-August, uh, the 19th, I guess. So yeah, he's he's right on the, the right level. Thank you, Mattia. All right, Brian, show us some markets you're, that you have your eye on right now. We still have a bunch of questions, but we'll get to them. I just want to see maybe what, what's catching your eye, some of your setups. You know, two things. Uh, one, you wanted to talk about that short VFC. Yeah. So here on the daily time frame, I mean, here. so this goes back to a year ago. We were in this uptrend. We broke this big top right here at 76 level. And you could call that a you know head and shoulders pattern if you wanted to. But what attracted me was that over here on these few days, you know, that's this level right here. So these periods right here are these couple of days. We bounced, we rallied back up a little bit. So you put a VWAP on that. The volume weighted average price, it started crossing back and forth above and below that, indicating it was, you know, the, the, the intermediate term was losing its control. Then we saw I got short over here yesterday. My stop was just up above this level. I thought I was going to get stopped out. And then it came down. I'm sorry, two days ago. So it came down hard yesterday. And here we are seeing some follow through on the downside. Um, I've been talking about AMD and I wanted to buy this stock, um, but it was stuck. So it, it, it got back above the volume weighted average price from this peak right here. I didn't buy it here because it was extended. I didn't buy that gap either. So the daily is on the left. And on the right is a 65 minute. So the volume weighted average price off of that little peak right there has been declining and it's been making lower lows below, lower highs below it. So I've been waiting for it to, you know, I've been hoping that, you know, from a bullish perspective, it might be able to make a higher low, uh, you know, rally up above it, make a higher low and then get going. Instead, it broke down and there's no reason to buy the stock. Um, so I've avoided that one. I'm avoiding Nike. I pointed this one out yesterday that Nike looked like it wanted to hold the VWAP from the gap, but instead it's not. So it's a level of interest. The shorter term time frame over here on the right, we see it came down and tested that, but the pattern is lower highs and lower lows. So I'm not willing to buy it just because it's at this level of interest. In fact, maybe it needs to come down to, you know, so I'll, I'll redraw, I'll regroup and say that didn't hold. No problem. I didn't buy it there. Maybe it needs to go test the volume weighted average price from this low 
and then perhaps we start to see it set up. But you know that that's some of the you know the ones that I've avoided or uh, you know looking at. C Day was a great one I put on Twitter back here on this day as it broke this little uh, pennant, and I'm still long a third of that from a purchase down at the 107-ish level. So, um, in, in you know you look at it and say who's in control from you know where did the buyers gain control? right as it broke out of this pennant. So what we can do is we can put a view app there and they're still in control. Now my stop is currently at 113.16, which is just below this little low right here. And we'll see if it holds me in on that final third. Thanks for showing these setups because visually it's so much obviously easier to see. So if you guys are listening to this on audio later in the future, you're going to want to go check this out on YouTube. And what, what I'm learning about how you're using the VWAP on the longer term is when you're starting to see a breakdown and you have multiple ones up. So that's the one thing I have not been doing. I typically keep one um, okay. and you have multiple ones up there. And if you see a breakdown of the ones that are, near, let's just say the ones on the rally when we're going up and they start to break down there, you go to the shorter term, similar to maybe that Nike one right, or, or the VFC. Now you could see the next one you have is so far down there. So is that that's giving you the look to say, okay, there's all this space to the next one. It's failed at my top ones. It's not showing a strong trend now. Now on the shorter term, it's staying below them. That's multiple confirmations to be short. I mean, because one of the questions I was asking was, how do you determine short? And and that answered it to me. Right. So so a lot of people, so here's one Cree. I didn't take this trade today, but this was on my radar for a short. It's below the year-to-date volume weighted average price, which is declining. It's broken some important support in here. That support became resistance. And this breakdown right here, you know, a lot of people wait to sell the low. Well, if you had sold the short the low right here, you would have sold short on that gap pretty much right at the low. I don't want to short the new lows. I want to short when the sellers regain control. So we had this sharp sell-off from 97 down to 75. And then guess what? Well, it bounced. And then we saw lower highs. We saw this level of support hold forming. And then the volume weighted average price off of the lowest point tells me, well, the average long in here is now losing money since that event. The average short now is going to be in a position of strength and be able to push, you know, press this thing. And now we're seeing that first lower low below that flat to declining volume weighted average price tells me the sellers took control of Cree today. They were also taking back control in Ozone, which I had a nice short in on this move recently. But even from that low, where did the sellers regain control here in the last couple of days? You know, from that very low point right there and here on the daily time frame, you can see this big top. I mean, this this one's just a mess. Um, but this support became resistance right at the declining, you know, flat to now declining VWAP and sellers are back in control here. So it's all about Again, aligning timeframes and saying, you know, I don't want to be the guy who shorts the new low. That's just, you know, that you're way too late. Why would you want to short it at 48? Why not short it at 41.50 with your stop up here at 53, let's say? And, you know, your downside is, you know, cover some into that new low. A lot of people are like, well, you know, the, the breakout or the breakdown didn't hold. Well, I'm going to I'm going to cover some if it gets down there, if I'm short this thing, because now I'm looking at it going, okay, someone's going to sell. They've got their stop down here, way down here. That doesn't seem like smart money. You know, I'll, I'll buy some from you, basically. 
Oh, I get it. No, great explanation. And we've got a conversation going on in chat. Uh, so VWAP Nation obviously uh, likes the VWAP. He's in all the all of the live streams. Thanks so much for coming in today. He says, notice you are using a 65-minute chart. Can you discuss that? And yeah, got- that's something I talk about all the time. I, they, uh, you know, the market's open from 9.30 a.m. to 4 p.m. We're talking equities here, of course. And you know, yes, there are pre and post market sessions, but the majority that you know, 98% of the volume is done between 930 and four. Most people use an hourly chart. You know, it's just not as accurate because you've got your first candle is 930 to 10. It's a 30 minute candle. Then you've got a candle that's uh, 10 to 11, 11 to 12, etc. So there's 390 minutes in a trading day. If you divide that by six, you get 65. 65 equal periods that are uh, in in the day. Or if we wanted to use 30-minute periods, we'd have 13 equal candles versus an hourly chart. You have one candle that's 30 minutes, six candles that are 60 minutes. If you're using a MACD or a relative strength or anything, you're giving or a moving average, you're giving that first half hour the same amount of uh, 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 of validity as you are the six units. So I've, you know, I did a post and it, I went to the grocery store and took a picture of one orange in between six apples. Said so which one doesn't fit. So you're basically comparing apples and oranges when you use a 60 minute chart. Got it. Yeah, and our our good friend Richard uh, Moglin from uh, Trader Lion. Thanks for being in here today, Richard. We got to get you on the live stream soon too. Loving the yeah, podcast. Yeah. Yeah, Richard does a fantastic job with Trader Line in his podcast. I'd recommend everybody go and check that out. But he he was talking about that, so he obviously has spoken with you a little bit about that. So thank you for helping those in chat. And this is a good question by Michael H. I saw your other question too, Michael. I'll get to that. Said, would those timeframes apply to futures markets? I don't know how many minutes are in a day for that. It's not something I've ever I've never taken that approach. I'm curious if you know that, Bry. I don't, you know, I really don't trade the futures much. I've done, I've dabbled in them in the past and, uh, you know, I get caught up in the leverage in those. I, I'm like, I, I, it brings out bad habits. <laughs> so oh, yeah. I, I'm more, I, 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 I don't do that, but I would imagine that there's a similar type of way that you could look at it. Um, but you know, the, the, the key is, especially in the futures market, if you're going to use a, you know, simple moving average, let's say you're using a 50 period moving average on a two minute time frame, and you're looking at, you know, 20 plus hours of data, you're, you're weighing the really low volume middle of the night bars. You're giving them as much credit as, you know, the 930 open, you know, equities open bar where volume surges. So, that is just another argument of why you ought to be using volume weighted average price exactly. rather than a, a random time constant. I'm so glad you mentioned that. I agree with that 100%. And my thoughts to this question, Michael, because I think it's a really great question. And something that I actually do is I start my hourlies on the 30. So instead of starting the hourlies, like a lot of the standard charts will start on the zeros. So at noon, one, two, I start at 9.30 Eastern. That's how I start my hourlies. So I like to see the end of an hour okay. ends on a 30 in the futures. That's something that I do. I don't break it down into the way that they do. I still look at a 60-minute chart as my primary. But once again, you know, it comes down to you as a trader what you're looking at. It. I like to see the first hour in futures. 
that's important to me. So I look at 60 minutes and 30 minutes. So I keep everything on the 30s for what it's worth. Um, so I want to go to this question. Can you explain when to step into, uh, well, it's an AVWAP pinch. At what point is it safe <laughs> to buy an uptrend? So talk about the pinch. You and I have talked about this in the show before. Yeah. So, I mean, you could look at AMD and, and say that AMD was pinching. Well, you know, let's look at a different example. So, uh, well, first of all, this was pinching between the pullback low that we saw. So we, we saw this rally to an all-time high. It pulled back. That became an important low to anchor from. It was holding that. So it was pinching in between here. What I want to see is the volume weighted average price off of the peak start to flatten out, which tells me the trend is neutralized, that the average long is now basically flat. The average short is basically flat. And now it can revert to the primary trend where the buyers can gain control. So I want to generally get it above the flat to rising volume weighted average price from the peak that it makes a higher high above that. Um, one that I was talking about, I put on Twitter last night was Coinbase and Coinbase is, is now broken below that. So I was looking at this saying, here's the volume weighted average price from the earnings report. And that's exactly where we touched the volume weighted average price from the IPO. So I was thinking if it can kind of consolidate between these two levels, make a higher low in there, then perhaps it can break higher. Instead, it's broken lower this morning. So it's just an avoid. It's, it, it's only a setup. And, and what we do is we anticipate all the potential scenarios in there. We wait for price confirmation before we buy it. You don't just buy it because, or I don't just buy it because it's in a pinch and at the low end of the range because things like this happen. So I wanna, I'd rather be late to the party, but have the wind at my back and you know have the momentum than just playing guessing games at you know potential levels of support. True support is only known after the after fact, the fact after, after exactly. it's bounced. I don't know why so many people try to call bottoms and tops. And all it is, is it's it's a complete guess. There's no chance. I mean, I look at how many years I've been doing this, 20-something years. How many times I buy a low or sell a high? And if I did, I didn't know I did it until way later. You know, And at the time, I was probably out of most of the, those positions before I recognized, oh, that's a good top or a good bottom. I mean, I, that's why I don't even put my energy on trying to do that. Like you said, Bri, you said it perfectly. I'd rather be late. These trends go so much further than people think, and everybody wants to be in at the turn because nobody wants to take the heat or whatever. But it, it, I look at it like this. It, it, why spend energy and time on something that to me is just it's, – it's such a rare event. You're even going to catch it. I, I can say with absolute confidence that I've lost more money in the market trying to pick tops and bottoms. Than oh, for sure. Else. And if I've picked – the bottom once it means 99 to 999 other times i haven't and exactly. the, the the sum of those losses is massively bigger yeah, than the I, one time i got it right so i don't even try anymore and when you do get them like i said for me i'm puking them way early anyway because yeah. i you know at the time i was stepping out a little bit so yeah I want to go back to Michael H's question he goes can you ask Brian whether it's better to start anchored vweps on high volume events or swing highs and lows? I like that question. Yeah, I mean, that, that's a great question. And it kind of uh, brings us to uh, Nike. And that's a great example of what I was just saying is that 
I was looking at this yesterday saying, okay, it's at a level of interest. It's at the volume weighted average price from this. You know, this was a big volume event. I don't have volume on there, but that was a big volume event. It was a, a gap on earnings and it looked like it had the potential to, to maybe you know be defended by buyers. But when we look at the shorter time, time frame, it hasn't. So instead I say, okay, well, it didn't hold that level. What's the next level of potential support where the buyers might come in and defend it? How about the volume weighted average price from that June 18th low? And that's my next level of interest. So just because one level doesn't hold it, doesn't mean that you know the, the thesis for a bounce might be out of the, out of the way. It means let's look at other information and be aware of that. Or will now it just continue lower? And then if it does bounce, will this green line now become resistance? Will it flip some to, from support to resistance that, you know, the people who are trapped now on average, or will they come in and defend it? And again, we have to wait for the shorter term time frame to confirm that. And meanwhile, we're on the sidelines. It's not costing us anything to be observers. I want to go to this question. Do you factor in volume when buying? Um, the only volume consideration that I have is uh, the, the average volume of the last 20 days. If the average volume of the last 20 days is at least half a million shares, that's liquid enough for me. But in terms of am I waiting for volume before I make my purchase? Never. Only price pays. Volume expands in the direction of the trend, peaks near the turning points and diminishes on the counter trend, you know, pullbacks or, or, or rallies. So I want to be one of the first ones to be buying as that stock makes the higher high in the shorter term time frame. And I've got my definition of trend. So if the shorter term trend is just starting to turn higher and I buy that first high, there's most likely it's going to be a lonely place to buy. But if I have my stop under the most recent relevant higher low, I know what my risk is. So I'm okay being early because, again, I know that volume expands with the trend as more people gain the confidence, peaks at the turning points, and diminishes on the pullbacks. Once again, I think it comes down to what is your strategy? What is your time frame? I look at me on the future side. If I'm trading short term, I always look at volume because it to me it matters so much more, especially if you're trading S&P, NASDAQ. I like that stuff. If I'm doing swing trades, volume to me is it's less of a it's it's I would say it's less impactful on my initial decision. If I see volume coming in afterwards and maybe proving something that I didn't agree with or it's reinforcing it, that could adjust my position sizing. But for me, when buying or selling on entry on the swing side of things, it's more of what I see following that. I think you kind of touched on that a little bit too, right, Brian? It's not necessarily at that moment, do I need to have that there as a confirmation? No. Yeah. So it, it, it's to me, it's using multiple timeframes. And if, if the S, you know, if, if XYZ stock rallied four days and it went from 20 to 26 and the volume was increasing each of those days and peaked at the turning point, it pulls back for three days and the volume bars start to go, you know, show the opposite pattern that they're yeah. diminishing. It says there's less supply coming in. And then when I drill down to the shorter term time frame, you know, again, I'm looking at the definition of trend on the shorter term time frame and saying, I don't need to have volume here yet if I'm buying right as it breaks, as it makes this first move. 
I never have volume on here. So if I, let me see if I remember how to put it on. <laughs> I have it on some other charts, but uh, I was going to try to put it on there to, you know, make the point with this, that I most likely we're seeing bigger volume up in here. I'm gonna, only going to take a couple more questions. What I'd like for you to do in the meantime while I get some of these questions up is just pull up ETH. I'm in Ethereum right now. I just want to see what you think about it. I want to see what you have set up on your daily as well. And this is a, another question by Mattia. Brian, when calling shorter timeframes to confirm, do you mean looking for HH and HL if we refer to bullish expectation? Yeah, I'm looking for that first high or high in the shorter term timeframe and protecting myself with a stop underneath the higher low, the most recent relevant higher low, because I'm trying to buy the emerging trend within the bigger trend where they're aligned. So if I buy that emerging trend higher, where it makes that first higher high, and then it goes up, but makes a lower low, what happened to my definition of trend? The definition of trend is higher highs and higher lows. If I buy the higher high, and then it turns around and makes a higher low, and I'm still holding, I'm no longer a trend trader. I might be able to justify both, but the bigger trend, you know, and all that nonsense that ends up costing you big money. Anyway, so here's uh, Ethereum, Anthony, and you can see, you know, yesterday we didn't get as deep of a pullback, obviously, as uh, Bitcoin, but we're still holding above the volume weighted average price off this low. And you can see that that low was pretty much exactly where this move began in November of 2020, that we had found buyers there on, a, on three occasions. And then we rocketed higher right through. And I had one here. This, you know, this low became resistance there. We tested that level again. And then as it started rallying, I put the VWAP off of that level. And we came pretty close to it yesterday. Uh, I guess it was more the round number that might have saved it yesterday. Yeah. One thing I'm seeing with this ETH chart here, and I'm curious what you think about this. When you start to see all of the VWAPs started to get really bunched up close together, we have not seen that in many of the other charts you were posting today, but on your daily, that's the case here. Is that just that mean that whole area becomes, a, do you look at buying the top, the middle, the bottom? I mean, I look at it and say, if it starts to get down there, they're all really just so close. I'm just curious what your perspective is when you see something like that. I think that it's you know similar to what happened in Bitcoin yesterday is we had the VWAP from the peak, from this low and the year to date, all in that general area. So that told me, and let me just color this one red so we can uh, make more sense of it. Um, whoops. Anyways, we you know those all came together. So to me, it became a higher uh, confidence place that the buyers you know might come in and defend this thing. Because given, you know, given the magnitude of the decline. So there's that VWAP off of the peak. It was also the VWAP off of this low and the year-to-date volume weighted average price. So, so yeah, when, they, when they're bunched together, if Ethereum you know, gets another leg lower, let's say, and it comes down into this area, I would most likely stick a bid in there for a bounce if it came down really quickly to that level. Got it. Oh, Brian, this was great. Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, we are going to leave it with this final question because I think it's important, obviously, that everyone knows. I mean, you're talking a lot about all the stuff that you uh, are doing in your process today. And the question is from Rob. What is, where is a good place to learn VWAP in more detail? This has been really eye-opening for me. 
Well, that's like a setup, that question. That's what I mean. It's the last one. <laughs> um, my pinned tweet is a good place uh, to start. Um, and then I'm writing a book on it as we speak. So uh, that's, you know, those are the best places to start. My pinned tweet or go to alphatrends.net. I've got a tab that says uh, VWAP on there. And that's uh, got a bunch of different posts and videos I've done in the past. And tell everybody about your book. I don't have it next to me. Otherwise, I'd show the picture. But I've got your book. It's it's excellent. Oh, technical analysis using multiple timeframes. That that's that's been around a while. It's still I you know I still get great reviews. It's what a lot of people consider to be timeless, and I hope that's the case. Um, but the new book is what I'm working on, and that's uh, I'll tell you, I'm not a natural writer though, Tony. I, it's it's difficult to to shake those words out of my head and get them on the paper. Uh, look at, I've been trying to write a book, not about my process, but about my journey. Yeah. And I tell you, it is so hard. <laughs> it is so difficult. I need so much help from, from, uh, people that are good writers to, to get this done. My, you know, um, a few of my friends have been trying to help me with it. And I just, I feel like I've been writing this book for a decade. <laughs> and the good news is it keeps changing um, yeah. with my how my journey is. But yeah, I know you're right, Brian. But I look forward to that book. Everybody, you got to check out Brian on Twitter at Alpha Trends. And as he said, alphatrends.net. Yep. Like I said, Brian, I, I can't thank you enough. You've helped me personally in my trading and my journey. I really appreciate you. And I thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today and answering all these questions, man. Thank you so much. Fantastic. I love hearing that, Anthony. And thanks for having me on again. All right, everybody, we're done for this week. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel if you're listening to this on iTunes or anywhere else on audio. Be sure to go over to YouTube to watch it on video. That's a wrap for this week. We'll be back live next week on Wednesday. See ya. Thank you for listening to Futures Radio Show. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a five-star review on iTunes. Never miss an episode. Go to anthonycrudelli.com and get on our email list for show notifications and for free content that is exclusively for subscribers. Also on anthonycrudelli.com, you will find tons of videos and education on trading futures, options, and crypto. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Opinions expressed are solely my own and my guests, and they do not express the views or opinions of my sponsors. Future's radio show is produced by Crudelli Productions. <laughs>